And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We are recording this on Wednesday, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. You are listening to Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. This is going to be a top of the clock episode for you. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, hey, John, I'm doing well. Um, top of the crock to you and a happy Sunday to Maya. I got to say, I really appreciate that you didn't cut short that sick synth solo in our walk-up song. Just Thank now. you. I, 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 I'm glad you appreciate that. It was pretty good. Got to give the people what they want. Right. Which is synth solos. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to do a top of the... Let's start off with some top of the clock. Uh, yeah. if the folks who have been listening to our top of the clock episodes, last week we talked about beef and the beef industry, which um, I recommend it. I listened to it a couple of days ago. I think we did a pretty damn good job. So check that episode out if you're interested in kind of a little bit of the politics and economics behind the food industry. It was pretty cool. Um, but let's start us off with what we've been cooking with this week. So, Sam, what did you cook uh, this week? Uh, well, I made pozole, um, which longtime listeners of the Top of the Croc segment will remember is a Mexican soup that I love to make. I make it almost as much as Joel makes chili. It's kind of my go-to. It's real easy, super delicious, spicy soup, you know, with pozole and chicken in it. And pozole is corn. Pozole is a is a corn. It's hominy, so yeah. it's a corn. Yeah, it's corn. Uh, did you do anything uh, different or unique than what you usually do with your pozole? Um, no, I don't think so. Every time I make it, it's like a goldfish seeing the, you know, the the reflection, the reflection every time. It's yeah. like brand new. I but will try I know it that because every time I make it, I'm like, I like look up a couple recipes online, and then I'm like, is this it? Are these the only ingredients that I'm working with here? Cabbages. Right, because there's hardly any ingredients. Yeah. There's like no vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. It's really delicious though. Did you put meat in it? Chicken, yeah. Chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any recommendations to the listening audience on what makes a good pozole? Well, it's got to be spicy, I think. Yeah. You can go either green or red. I usually go red because that's just the chili peppers that I tend to have laying around my house or the dried ones, the red ones. Mm -hmm. But if you have like cans of green chilies, you could make a green pozole. I might do that next time. I got to get my hands on some tomatillos. Um, But yeah, uh, I really like to do a lot of garnishes, you know, chopped cilantro, chopped red onion, sour cream, avocado fresh tomatoes just kind of on the top that you then like scoop up get crunchy little bits of cilantro and like cold avocado and sour cream it's really good yeah yeah and that the the coolness of the toppings can help balance out the spiciness of the uh soup right. uh, give us some details and how you actually cook it like you prepare it you know how long do you have to cook it for? How long does it take? Well, it depends. I, I've made it a couple ways. Like I made my own chicken broth using a whole chicken and then picked all the meat off the bones and used that to make my pozole. That obviously takes quite a bit longer. The way I made it this weekend is I just pulled some chicken breast out of the freezer, defrosted it, cut it up, cut up some onions, some garlic, uh, seasoned the chicken with cumin and salt and paprika and Mexican oregano, and then seared it really good in the pan. 
added my veggies, can of crushed tomatoes, bunch of chili peppers, uh, can of pozole, bunch of chicken broth, that's it. Mm -hmm. And then you just let it cook until it tastes right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds simple and delicious. You, oh, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you live in Crown Heights. Uh, you know, it's what, traditionally West Indian neighborhood, right? Yeah. Yep. The part uh, I live is do, anyway. do you go to any neighborhoods that's got good, authentic Mexican food? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just the other day went to the hospital in Sunset Park to visit a friend of mine who's been in a COVID-19 related ventilator coma for three months and he just woke up. And he did wake up. You had mentioned <clears throat> me off. Yeah, he said the doctors were blown away. Well, that that's good. Woke up. Yeah, Jesus it was really, really great news. Kind of an emotional visit, but I was so happy to see him. Yeah. Um, and I brought him some books and just kind of hung out for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he's doing pretty well, I guess, all things considered. But I stopped and got some tacos on the way back there because there's this really good taco truck that's right outside of the bowling alley that I like. Where in the city is this? Sunset Park. Okay. Um. The reason I ask is because I feel like even, I mean, in we got a couple of good places in Champaign, Illinois, some a good taco truck. But, you know, we, we don't have what I would consider quote unquote authentic Mexican food. Uh -huh. uh, it, when I lived in Chicago, there's a lot, definitely. Right. Uh, but at none of them, and maybe I just, you know, was not expanding my menu options the way I ought to be. I don't remember pozole being like a common menu item on Mex on you know real Mexican restaurant menus. Yeah, it is. It's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. I uh, it's funny. New York City is not known as a good Mexican food town, but uh, it is. I mean, <clears throat> right? But it's just because it's you got to go to the right place. I think, and it's not you know, especially people who like come here from California. Yeah. In LA are like, oh, you can't get good tacos here. And they're real dicks about it, you know? Right. But the fact is, is that like you're just too afraid to go into Mexican neighborhoods, and that's why. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a big key part of it. Yeah. Like Dominican neighborhoods. Yeah. So anyway, there's good Mexican food here, but it's not it's not mainstream in the way it is out in California. Right. In California, you know, in LA, they have taco places or like pizzerias in New York. They're yeah. just kind of everywhere. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Um, I uh, made another stab at my convoy chili this week. Made a stab. You said that was the best chili you've ever fucking made. I think it is. I think yeah. it is. I I was pretty excited. I went back to the pork recipe right. that you had initially suggested, and I cut down on the pork. Right. So Smart. I, I only put two and a half pounds of uh, pork spare ribs instead of four pounds that I did last time. Yep. Uh, the other thing I did was I upped my diced green chilies. I doubled it to eight ounces. Uh-huh. And I added an extra teaspoon of cumin. And I added a teaspoon of ginger. Nice. And I think I finally got the heat to where I really, really like it. It's spicy right. enough. It had never been spicy enough before. And now I think it's at a level of spice that I really enjoy. Um, and yet yeah, the meat, I got a good meat to bean ratio. So it's less like pork. It's more like chili, less like pork stew or something right. like that. And then um, the thing that I, I, I still keep putting too many tomatoes in yeah i can still reduce the tomatoes i had four chopped fresh tomatoes and one can diced tomatoes and i didn't need all that yeah maybe just get rid of the fresh tomatoes i know right yeah 
I think that, like, you, if you want fresh tomatoes, you could just chop them up and put them on top afterwards. Yeah. Okay. I see. It's saying. all about that garnish, Joel. That's mm -hmm. what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all about that fresh cooked mashup, you know? Right. So I could just have the diced tomatoes in the chili and then put fresh tomatoes on top. I don't, I did, I didn't get my garnishes. I don't have the cheddar cheese. I don't have sour cream. I've just been eating it by itself. Still delicious. It's like no shirt standing in the kitchen, eating chili straight out of the crock pot with a wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. No pants either. Just no pants. Long two shoulders. Just a man, a spoon, and a crock pot full of chili. Staring out ended. <laughs> staring out that kitchen window at seven in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's an existential time for all of us, I think. Uh, but I'm really excited about this chili. I, I, it, like, yeah. I've been eating basically just chili for the last two and a half days. It's bad for my butt. Right. And probably your social interactions at school. Right. And the problem is we're not doing Zoom uh, e-learning as much anymore. So I actually can't just vote whenever I want to. Right. Which is like the one great advantage of remote teaching is that you can vote whenever you want to. The kids don't know. So do you guys. OK, this is. <laughs> yeah. Go maybe on the side and maybe not a great topic for the podcast, but at your school, mm -hmm. do you have like a faculty bathroom yes okay yep there's a faculty bathroom i do not i mean under normal like okay like before covid right i would not use the student bathroom unless it's like an emergency and you never take a dump in the student bathrooms right uh really i my goal was to never take a dump at the school. Right. I would go in the morning before I go to school, and that was my poop for the day. That's why you gotta. That's why you gotta make coffee the night before. That's why you gotta make coffee. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you gotta time it right. The worst is when you don't time it right, and you have to drive to work because you're gonna be late for work, and you haven't had your morning constitutional yet, <laughs> and you gotta teach first, second, and third hour before you get a break. That's right. the worst. Yeah. Because I got to say, like, I don't think that there's anything that makes you lose respect for a teacher more. Or maybe that's too strong. But, like, there's nothing that really humanizes a teacher more than when you run into them in the bathroom and they've, like, um, just blown it up. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. You don't want to do – you don't want to, like – you don't want to like look a student in the eye after you've done that because then they'll know you're just a man. You know what I mean? Right. Which is why I never go, like I will I will pee in the student's bathroom only if it's like I got to pee right now. Right. Uh, but other than that, I never go in the student's bathrooms. Uh, the thing the thing is when you rip a fart while you're teaching, right? There's that key and peel. Uh, skit about that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where like the it's a high school class and the high school class is all rowdy and then the substitute teacher comes and it's Jordan Peele and he's like he's like doing the Sydney Poitier like he's in the three piece suit and he's like I am the serious substitute and I will not take any nonsense from any of you and they're all afraid of him. And then he like drops his chalk and bends over and rips a fart. And then they all start laughing at him and he just walks right out of the classroom. And that's the right. end of the skit. So like I've had kind of moments like that, but as a somewhat veteran teacher, I've learned how to deal with it. Number one, you blame the, the students for farting. Right. Oh, right. Always. Like, if they can't tell you, like, oh, man, somebody, Jeremiah, what'd you do, man? Jeez. Right, because they have no rights. Exactly. Yeah. The other one is you look them in the eye and think, right? You're like, oh, 
then it becomes a power move. <laughs> exactly. That's the real thing. That, that, that's the best strategy. <laughs> uh, and then the other one is just being like, oops. And then being like, you still have to know what seven times six is. Right. Oops. Pop yeah. quiz now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You laugh at me, you get a quiz. Yeah. So you got to keep them off balance. Right. Which has honestly been one of the things I've missed the most during remote teaching is like, you know, not fighting on kids, but like being around, you know, students and interacting with them and you right. know, that, that kind of stuff. That's been one of the hardest things. <laughs> but yeah, you do definitely do fight in the classroom. It's funny. That's cool, especially if all you eat is chili. Especially if all you eat is chili. Yeah, I think the thing with chili, Joel, is that the more chilies you can put in there, the better. Like the more peppers, just the better your chili is going to be. You said you added another can of green chili. Yeah, I added another can. Of, and you keep telling me, go get some dried chilies. I'm too lazy to go check out. Yeah, but you could also like, there. you know, throw, throw a red pepper in there too. Yeah. Oh, that it would. Doesn't, be it doesn't even need to be hot, like spicy yeah. chilies. You can add, you know, poblanos aren't that spicy. You could add red peppers, green peppers, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's only to make it more chili y, you know? Because that's what yeah. it is just pepper stew. Yeah. I got the jalapeno peppers in there. Um, I, I put as much garlic as I can. Right. Uh, maybe I can increase the onion rest ratio also yeah onions are good yeah and i got my three cans of beans i don't know it's good i would serve it to another human being now nice i mean i would before too but i'd be like yeah this is good i really kind of like i really want someone else to taste it uh, should i remove the pork bones before like, I just kind of let the, the pork bones sit. In the, like, I, you know, I don't eat them, obviously. But I kind of just let them sit in the bowl. Yeah, I like that. I think it's okay. cool. Yeah, I was it looks very uh, primal, you know? It looks, yeah, exactly. It looks primal. It looks cool. But I don't know if I'm messing up, messing with the... I would say, if you're, you know, if you're going to be making it for a date, maybe... Well, we already decided that this is not... Food. <laughs> that's true we need to find you a different a different <laughs> I, I i i'll try the cocoa vow that was our go-to was the cocoa vow right yeah i think so it's got a french name it's classy you know you can serve it with wine yeah i mean you can serve chili with wine but then it's like why why isn't this wine in a budweiser bottle or whatever <laughs> can of wine can of red wine <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm better being a damn can. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one thing though, this would actually be uh, maybe not a date night food, but I did cook last week. You know, I tell you, I've got my like two or three chicken dishes that are my go-to chicken dishes. Right. I did my 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 go-to whole roast chicken, but instead of uh, roast red potatoes with it, I did roasted sweet potatoes and broccoli. Yum. It was really good. And it looked really cool. It like the green and the orange made it look kind of cool. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Does yeah. make sense. I love and you her. know, super easy. I just, you know, put them in a pan with garlic and oil. I could have added onions. I didn't add onions. Uh, uh, lemon, stuffed it with a lemon. I don't know. Italian seasonings, salt and pepper, stick it in the oven. It was really good. But I might try that. I want to. I want to up my kind of. I don't know. Maybe my broccoli intake. Yeah, green vegetables are good. Mm -hmm. It's almost bathing suit season, Joel. You know. Oh yeah, it's going to be a very interesting post-COVID bathing suit season. Not just for me. For me. But for lots of Americans, I believe. Right. You know, folks who have been uh, 
in their houses, sitting sedentary in front of their Zoom cameras for the last 14 months. Right, that's why they call it COVID-19. Right, that's how many pounds you had. How many pounds you put on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But the other thing, everyone's gonna be super ready to go to the beach, right? Yeah. And like go to the nightclubs. Well, but they're right, all gonna... exactly, and like try to yeah like, get get busy. Yeah. And then exactly. they're gonna be like, oh god. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it'll actually be a good new era of like body positivity because everyone's like, whatever, we all put on 19 pounds. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh I stopped taking public transportation in taxis and only right. rode my bike everywhere. So I've actually lost a bunch of weight. Right. You're in like really good shape. I'm like the skinniest guy in America right now. Pretty much. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting summer. Yeah. Well, it's already, it's like, it's getting wild in New York. People are Is it? trying to spend money and there's like, just people are getting so drunk. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you know, I love alcohol intake, but that kind of has me a little worried. Right. Like people. Right. Well, I'm very old, but also like, you know, folks have been cooped up for so long and then they're going to let it all out at once. And, right. you know, that's how you like get it. That's why. I feel like violence is up. Like people are like, oh my God, I haven't been outside. I've got to get into a fight. Right. The uh yeah, no, totally. I mean it's it's not you know it's not even you feel like this. It's the like gun violence is up right huge in New York and I think across and, and in all Illinois, the country. Yeah, Illinois gun violence is way up right now. Um, yeah, people don't really know how to talk to each other anymore. That's the thing. Well, yeah, there's there's not a direct line between don't know how to talk to each other and I need to open fire. Yeah, well, no, I guess that's true. But I see it what you're saying. Probably has more to do with the socio and economic downturn of yeah people who were already just barely scraping by. Right. But I do think there's something with like, I haven't been outside in a year and now everything's opening up and we don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mad world. Um, I want to transition back to some Cinco de Mayo shit. Um, right. So do you, do you have, see, like we wanted to talk about the actual, the real history of Cinco de Mayo. Um, did you did you want to take the lead on that? Like we can talk about because sure. it's or not unless, Mexican. You, unless you. I mean, you're the teacher. You know what I mean? Like, well, I just learned about it today, so I'm really excited about it. Okay, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Cinco de Mayo. If anybody knows anything about it, they generally just think that it's Mexican Independence Day, which it's not. Like most people in America just know it as like Mexican St. Patrick's Day, right? Mm. And so you're dyeing your beer green and red and white for the Mexican flag or whatever. And you're drinking margaritas and you're probably doing like really inappropriate uh, appropriation tactics by wearing ponchos and sombreros. Right. Um, you know, you're all a bunch of racist people is all I'm trying to say. Um, I have never gotten as drunk on Cinco de Mayo as I have many times on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> like yearly on St. Patrick's Day. I stopped a couple of years ago because I was like, oh, I really got to stop. But um, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, I've got five or six memories of more embarrassment than I ever do on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, geez, we got to tell those stories. Yeah, we can. Not, uh, yeah. 
Okay, well, let me just keep going here on this because I'm on a roll. I feel like. Yep. Yep. Anyway, it's not so September 16th is Mexican Independence Day. Uh, the Cinco de Mayo is the celebration of the victory at the Battle of Puebla, uh, city in Mexico called Puebla. Um, and it was the victory by the Mexican army over the French forces of Napoleon Three. Bonaparte III. Mm-hmm. And so this is interesting because he's Napoleon Bonaparte III. He's the nephew of the Napoleon Bonaparte that we all think of when we, somebody says Napoleon. So he's not even like the child of. Um, anyway, Mexico as a young nation had borrowed a lot of money from European countries, including France. Um, and they were not paying their debts. And so the French, you know, went to kind of come and take their money by force from the Mexicans and the Mexicans. And so the celebration of Cinco de Mayo is this famous battle where the Mexican army defeated the French army um, at the Battle of Puebla. It's not a national holiday in Mexico. It's a very minor holiday. Um, similar to St. Patrick's Day, I guess, actually. Um, And not celebrated, but it was kind of co-opted and embraced by, uh, I mean, it started as a Mexican-American cultural day, uh, celebrating kind of their, the heritage, the Mexican heritage of these Mexican-Americans. And it was kind of became a kind of cultural holiday in this country. Um, and then, uh, and that started in, in California and moved across the country with the immigrant populations. And then I guess in the eighties, it was latched onto by big beer companies as like a marketing gimmick. And that's when it became the holiday that we think of it as today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we talk about cultural appropriation, that's the really interesting thing. What I had read was it, it was always popular, especially in California, because California has had such a large Mexican-American population for such a very long time. And even at the Battle of Puebla, like California had just been stolen from Mexico by the Americans like 15 years before. Right. right. USA. So like, they got right. So there was still a lot of Mexican Americans, quote unquote, Mexican Americans who really identified as Mexicans living in California. That's like the time of Zola right there. Right. Um, and then the other interesting thing that I read about is that it kind of had a resurgence uh, in popularity in among. Uh, Mexican-Americans in California in the 50s and the 60s with kind of the Chicano movement with uh, Cesar Chavez and the entire uh, kind of labor movement in California during that time. Right, you love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that's cool. Like, I think that's very cool. But I think the other thing that you mentioned that we should kind of focus on is, you know, what's up with the we're all drunk on tequila and Corona beer and wearing sombreros, even though, you know, I'm, I'm Irish, bro. It's because of a uh, purposeful marketing ploy by the beer companies that started basically- right. Marketing making- appropriation of Mexican culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, there's, there's good things and bad things. Um, I think I'd read that uh, like about 15 years ago, the United States Congress did formally pass a resolution for like culturally appropriate celebrations during Cinco de Mayo or something like that. Like it is a time for like stereotyping Mexican immigrants. It really is. Right. 
Well, yeah, the thing that I thought was the takeaway was that this was like a holiday. I mean, it is, a, it's a real thing in Mexico, but it's not the way that it is here. And it was kind of a thing that was like just for, started anyway, for Mexican immigrants to kind of celebrate their Mexicanness. Yeah. In, in America. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's really a thing for like white college bros to celebrate. Get to yeah. Did you ever remember that poster? I don't know. From like, I, I had friends in high school who had the posters. Like, if you ever need a excuse to get drunk, like it's like a three hundred sixty five day calendar where there's like every day there's something to celebrate and that's a reason to drink. No. I think about that a lot. Do you have one of those? No, no, not now, no. Just on your cell phone? Well, it should be on everyone's cell phone, technically. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah I never really... Cinco de Mayo was never really a thing for me until I moved to New York. Hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I just, I work with a lot of Mexicans and kind of always had. What yeah. did, do, do they in New York, do they have any opinions on Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, Cinco de Mayo is a thing. Like, yeah. people are into it. Um, and in Puebla, that's the interesting thing you mentioned. In Puebla, it's like a thing. But it's not right. a Mexican national thing. It's much more of a regional like this is the time we beat france right and the other thing is that uh there's a a, like a lot of the you know it's interesting because there's immigration and it's like various regions in mexico have like reflections in the united states because it's like everybody from puebla goes to there's like a lot of people from Puebla in New York City. Like this is where the people from Puebla go. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a pretty big thing here, I guess. Mm -hmm. Which is actually kind of uh, Southeast Mexico, um, which I was surprised about. I didn't know it was that far south. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing, then we should maybe still wrapping up. I don't know, we're about 30 minutes in now. Uh, the Battle of Puebla was 1862. Right. Right when the American Civil War was going on. Right. And this is something that I hadn't really thought about, that there were two really massive land wars going on in North America at the same time. Like at the same time that the United States is having its most bloody, its bloodiest war of all time. Right. Mexico is fighting off an invasion for, excuse me, France, England, and Spain. Right. Like that's crazy to think about. Yeah. There was a lot going on right then. It was a busy year. It was a very busy year. And now we just get novelty Corona koozies about it. Mm, What's the best margarita you've ever had? I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, they're all good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Trying to think, I feel like I've had kind of watered down icy margaritas sometimes. Maybe, like I've had some probably some bad frozen margaritas. Yeah, but like I don't know, man. I feel like the margarita is maybe the best cocktail. Yeah, I can. Yeah, there's an argument for it. Right. It's so it's so climate dependent, honestly. Because for me, it's the Gibson. I'm always going for a Gibson. Right, but you can't just like crush a bunch of Gibsons, you know? (laughs) And if you do, that's a bad sign. Right, like the margarita, it's like, it's the right, it's like pretty strong, but it's not like straight spirits. It's Uh like refreshing and 
tart and delicious and you know really good you get some salt on the rim you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know you sit on the beach have a margarita you can't like sit on the beach and like chomp on a bunch of cocktail onions <laughs> <laughs> at room temperature at room temperature <laughs> Joel just sitting at the beach eating a bowl of chili and drinking a Gibson. In my my suit. (laughs) Yep. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Next time I take my vacation to like uh, Guadalajara, what's it called? Cancun. Good (laughs) day. Go on a Cancun vacation. Just Eat pork chili and drink Gibson. <laughs> That's just a what you're describing is just like a vacation to. I don't know what is, would that be the regional cuisine of like Cleveland, Helena, Montana, yeah, or Cleveland. Like I think Cleveland. Cleveland, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm definitely taking my next vacation to Cleveland. <laughs> you could, there's beaches there, you know. Yeah, you yeah there's a off. lake. There's a lake. Yeah. There's a beach. <laughs> Ooh, ha. Mm, good times. Um, any baseball news you wanted to relate? Um, let's see. Baseball news I'd like to relate. I don't know. I kind of feel like the big news was the whole White Sox thing. Yeah, I'm not so feeling good. How long is Tony LaRusso's contract for? That's my question. I think it's just one year, but you'll have to check me on that one. You just hope it's for one year. Yeah. My whole thing, like, we... Like, best case scenario for the White Sox now is they keep it together in a weak division. But on the other hand, like, the wheels could very easily completely come off at this point. Right. Which might not be the worst thing. I don't know, man. Like, this was supposed to be the beginning of you guys going for it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This was supposed like, to be. This is this is the 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 teams that are constantly sellers. This is what they do, you know. Yeah, yeah that's the problem. Like this was our competitive year, and if we wasted this year, that could be bad forever. Right. Yeah. Really, the owner needs to sell the team, I think. Because it's, it's Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox. It's his fault that Tony LaRue says here. And it's not their fault that, like, we there have been two freak accidents. I mean, you know, maybe there are people uh, asking questions about the training, but... Dude, I you know I watched them both. They were like that. That was a freak accident. But shit happens, and you gotta be prepared for it. I right. Don't think, I don't think the White Sox are prepared for it. Well, we were talking about this at the beginning of the season. It's like they they can only they they are only so deep. They're yeah. only deep enough to absorb you know so many losses. Yeah. Yeah, you you called it. <clears throat> so I think I think from best to worst, the best case scenario is everybody performs as good as I hope they will. Right? That Anderson is an all star, Abreu is an all star, Grandal is good, Mercedes keeps being good, Andrew Vaughn develops, and the pitching continues to be good. And we win a weak division, right? That's the best right. case scenario. The next step below that is we're, we're good and we bring in help. Uh, maybe we bring up some AAA guys. Like I, I mentioned this off camera 
White Sox want Charlie Blackman. We need outfielders. Um, the other one was Kevin Kiermaier. His name is being thrown around right now. From Tampa Bay? Yeah. Um, and then uh, people want Chris Bryant on the White Sox. That's not going to happen. But they really want Chris Bryant. Who plays third base for you now? Mancata, right? Yeah, but Bryant can play outfield. Ah. The Cubs have put him in outfield more than more than once. Um, yeah, he'd be in the outfield. Moncada would stay at third base because I don't think Moncada could play the outfield. Um, the step below that, which I think is the most realistic step, is that we're like an average team. We like piddle around around 500 and then maybe we get Robert and Jimenez back in September and we're still within striking distance because we're in a bad you know maybe we're 60 and 65 when those guys come back but we're only you know five games out of first place or something like that right I think that's probably the most likely thing. The step below that is that we're bad, but like we're not terrible and we like kind of shit around. And then the question is, is it worth it to bring Eloy and Robert back? If we're 10 games out of the playoffs on September 1st, is it worth it to bring them back and risk like even more severe injuries? And that well, like now is the time when Tony like this is when the man this is when a manager is like so important is exactly it? yeah yeah and so if Tony Larusa can do that hopefully they can do that but see then the absolute worst outcome might actually be the most fun where like the wheels fucking come off and we lose like. 15 games in a row and Tony Larusa loses control of the clubhouse and like there are fights and they shut Robert and Jimenez down for the seasons. And that's right. how we become the White Sox man. New York jet style. Sorry. Exactly. New Jersey jet style. Exactly. Like just a fucking train wreck of a season. Which would at least be entertaining. Right. Yeah. But you don't want them to be sellers. I agree. You're correct. I really, I mean, they might be. I don't think they would be. Um, maybe, I don't know, like Glendall or something, they might try, excuse me, try to get someone for. But like, they need Robert and Jimenez, they need Tim Anderson. Well, you know, you don't trade anyone who's hurt at the deadline, but you know, they probably, you know, you don't want them to like start dismantling their bullpen or like shipping yeah. Kopech off to the Yankees for right. Kopech, you know, I, I would, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't see them. I would like you have them, you have them as winning the World Series this year, yeah, because they, they, that was before. Robert got hurt. It was after Eloy got hurt, but still. They're, they're not winning the World Series this year. <laughs> they could still, Joel. Don't give up. Sure. Uh, the two St. Louis Cardinals teams that Tony LaRusso managed won 83 and 90 games. They won right. the World Series. I could see this team winning between 83 and 90 games. I could see, like, I could, like, they could still be a 90, 93 wins uh, team. They've got Abreu, Moncada, Anderson, right? Then it's like, or okay. formidable a three is, well. well. But then it's like, okay, is your okay. Mercedes going to continue hitting all season long? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Andrew Vaughn has been really good. He's a rookie. Is he going to get better? Maybe. Yasmani Grandal 
is not doing well right now, but his on base percentage is like 400. Uh, and then you've got like the six, seven, eight, nine is like a bunch of guys. That's the problem. <laughs> Just a bunch of guys. Billy Hamilton, Loey Garcia, Adam Eaton, Jake Lamb. Just a bunch of guys. Yeah. That's the way I feel about the Red Sox, like, bottom third. Yeah. Nick Madrigal, he's like, if Nick, I like Nick Madrigal, he's going to hit, like, 400 with a slugging percentage of 400. I don't know what that means. He only hits home runs? No. He only hits singles. Oh, he only hits singles. He only hits singles. But he hits a single every time. Right. Yeah. That's that's why we should be manager of the White Sox. (laughs) Joel's favorite player only hits singles. (laughs) You, magical. Shallow to right field right now. <laughs> yes! Got it again. Now steal second. Oh, man. We'd be so much fun. It's, we're we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it, Sam. The showing some cracks, which is... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you said Barnes is doing well. Yeah, Barnes is maybe the best reliever in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even... I'm not even being I'm not even being biased there. Mm-hmm. He's having a hell of a season. And that's, you know, I mean, you have a shutdown closer that that's a good thing to build a bullpen around. But they they just have some they have some piece of people who are like punching above their weight class previously and they have not, you know, they've had some hiccups recently. So we'll see. <clears throat> but the Red Sox are a better team. I think that they've proven themselves to be a better team this year than I was expecting them to be mm-hmm. already. Um, and I think that, you know, they have their top two thirds of their lineup is as good as any in baseball. I'd stack them up against any other one through six you know right uh and you know specifically they're like three four five hitters are probably the best three four five hitters in the game yeah well jd martinez is looking like an mvp right now right jd martinez is looking the way that he looked every single year over the past five years except for last year Mm -hmm. And, you know, Xander Bogarts is one of the best hitting shortstops in Major League Baseball and has been for a long time. Devers is going to be a superstar. That guy just crushes the ball. And then, you know, Verdugo is coming along. He's been hitting the ball really good. Not much for power, but that supposedly will come. Christian Vasquez is a top five hitting catcher in Major League Baseball, I'd say. Yeah. Um, what if J.D. Martinez got COVID last year but never told anybody? And that's why he was bad. Bad. Yeah. And he had a hurt thumb, I think. Okay. He played through a, a non-threatening but chronic injury last year. Um, and also he, you know, he was one of the biggest people who was complaining about not being able to use in-game video. Yeah, we've talked about that. And yeah. that's like mostly veterans, I feel like. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because he, you know, he almost failed out of the league, so to speak, uh, before he kind of taught himself to make these in-game adjustments, Mm -hmm. which really kind of turned it around for him. 
Um, cause he went from being like a 240 hitter with like real power to being a 340 hitter with real power, you know? Yeah. And it was all about like studying the tape in like in between innings, going, looking at his previous at bat, seeing how, like how he had screwed up and making the in-game adjustments to like stop that from happening again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys just lost. Yeah. Right, but then, you know, we were tied 3-3, and then the top of the 10th, top of the 10th? The top, of the, top of the 11th, the, somebody hit a three-run home run. And, like, that's, you know, I imagine it was Adam Odovino, who's terrible. We need to get rid of that ghost to a new one second. That's I know, it's such ridiculous bullshit. Yeah, it really is. Nobody likes it. I want to know what team has like the best winning percentage in extra innings the last two seasons so we can hate them. Right. <laughs> it's probably the Astros. Probably the Astros. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this has been Top of the Clock presented by Dump on the Ump. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, happy Secret of Mayo. Go home, make some pozole, make some pork chili. You know, pour yourself a Gibson. Put put some pants on. <laughs> pour yourself a Gibson. Get yourself a nice bowl of pork chili and go to the lake beach. Good. T- what is not to like about that, Sam? Come on. <laughs> that sounds good. In your suit and tie. Formal attire only at the regular dump on the ump beach attire. (laughs) For Sam, my name is Joel. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. You all have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Watching me now.